everyone, and welcome to The Right Turn, your one-stop shop for all things fiction writing. I'm your host, Jordan M. Griffin, and today I'll be talking about the art of holding back, why you shouldn't tell your readers everything. This podcast will cover craft elements, personal anecdotes, and writing exercises. Please feel free to pause at any time, rewind, or otherwise engage with this lesson in the way that makes the most sense for you. Writing is not a one-size-fits-all art, so I hope you'll be able to shape this talk to meet your own writing needs. Let's begin today by dissecting what we mean when we say mystery. I don't mean that a majority of your plot must revolve around a murder the characters are trying to solve. Instead, I'm talking about the little secrets, maybe a piece of a character's backstory they don't want the others to know, or the delicious tension of two characters dancing around one another in romantic uncertainty. Mysteries exist in some way, shape, or form in all good writing. The unknown is half the reason we keep turning pages when we're reading a great book. We want to find out if that character lives, or who the unknown caller is, or we want the characters to finally reveal their unspoken feelings for one another. Whatever your genre, you can make use of mystery to keep readers invested in your story. Though we might understand this idea in theory, many writers shoot their own mysteries in the foot during their first drafts, myself included. One reason for this is that many times on a first draft, we're not thinking about good prose, we're talking to ourselves. Who has ever been sitting in front of the computer trying to get all your ideas on the page before you forget them? I know I do that regularly. Or maybe you're in the middle of a tricky scene, making things up as fast as you write them with little to no planning. I've definitely been there, too. When that happens, I find that I tend to over-explain, because I'm figuring things out for myself just as much as I'm explaining to an audience. That's fine for a first draft, and maybe it's even necessary. But when you get into your editing, that's definitely not a place you want to be. For one, it's infantilizing for your reader. Not only does it show you don't trust them, it sounds like you think they're stupid, too. That they won't get the plot unless you sit there and point it out like a YouTube analysis trying to hit that 10-minute mark. Second, over-explaining ruins any reveals or twists you might have in store later. If you spell out every emotion a character has, every motivation behind what they say, and make their actions and intentions line up exactly, what is there for the audience to figure out? Your work becomes a caricature of what it could be. It's unrealistic for people to say exactly what they mean. Remember what we said about dialogue in the last episode? And it's boring, too. We would love for that to happen in real life, wouldn't we? I know I want everyone to be 100% honest and truthful at all times. But unfortunately, it doesn't happen in reality, and it shouldn't happen in our stories either. Let me read you two scenes from a work in progress I found deep in my Google Drives folder. All you need to know for this snippet is that it's a soft sci-fi story in which two siblings have been snatched to prevent them from partaking in a tournament later in the story. In the first version of the scene, I'll do exactly what I'm telling you not to do, having every character say or do exactly what lines up with their heart. In the second, I'll show you what it sounds like when characters keep their innermost thoughts themselves. You can decide for yourself which is more compelling. Ready? Version 1. Caden's hands shake. Callista hadn't noticed it before, but now, sitting with nowhere to go and nothing to do but wait, she can see the tremors racing along his skin. The withdrawal symptoms are often fatal, Callista knows, and she finds herself stuck between the desperation of finding a dealer and murdering him herself. 
After all, she told him, didn't she? She explained in very small words why her world was dangerous and why Caden didn't belong in it. I'm not doing so well, Cal, Caden says, whispers really from where he sits against the wall of the train car with his head between his knees. I'm sorry I got us here. Don't talk, she snaps back. I'm too upset to listen. When is the last time you used? A few hours before we got snatched, I think. Caden crosses his arms and leans his head against the wall like that will hide the symptoms. However long ago that was. It's pretty awful, isn't it? Did you feel those moments where the prose clunked itself onto the page like a square wheel going down a dirt road? Ick! If your prose sounds something like this, don't worry. A lot of writers' first drafts look like this, including ones that go on to become amazing and successful novels. I like to say that first drafts are to make something exist, second drafts are to make them readable, and third drafts are to make them beautiful. So how do you go about fixing something that looks like this? First, think about the intentions of the characters. What are some reasons people might lie, either to themselves or to others? They might want to protect one another's feelings. They might not want to admit wrongdoing or weakness. They might want to make themselves look bigger or better than they are. When I reworked this scene, keeping that idea in mind, this is what I got. Caden's hands shake. Callista hadn't noticed before, but now, sitting with nowhere to go and nothing to do but wait, she sees the tremors he clenches his fists to hide. A voice she can't quite escape whispers that he doesn't have long. The spasms will creep up his arms, gather in his chest, and attack his heart where, she imagines, it's not healthy for spasms to be. She wonders what their mother would say. I'm all right, Cal, Caden whispers from where he sits against the wall of the train car. His head hangs, lolling on his neck. A nap and I'll be good as new. For his sake, Callista forces a smile. Remember that time you caught the gasp from the neighbor's kid? You stopped breathing for two whole minutes. Caden crosses his arms and leans his head against the wall like that will hide the symptoms. See, I've been through worse. When did you last use? You worry too much. Caden smiles, the expression sunken and strained. I've got time. It's by no means perfect, but I'll bet that second version was much more compelling for you. There's more room for readers to get into the cracks between the writing and try to figure things out for themselves. The crux of good writing is a dance between the writer supplying the information and the reader getting that aha light bulb moment when they figure out what's going on. So how do you keep from over-explaining in your own writing? Let me give you a few of the most common types of over-explaining, which will help you keep an eye out for them in the future. I'll also give you some exercises to help you prevent yourself from falling into this trap. The first way I see writers over-explain is with dialogue. You may have heard that in the example I first gave, Callista saying she's too upset to listen. Too often, writers treat their characters like they're starring in a Greek play, narrating every thought and feeling they have. If a character, maybe a moody teenager, comes home to find her mother cooking a meal she's not excited about, do you think she'd say something like this? Are you making chicken and rice again? We have that on Tuesday and I don't want it again today. I've had a really hard day at school and I just want something comforting. Or this. Are you making chicken and rice again? What, don't you know how to make anything else? See how the second one not only sounds more natural, but it also elevates the tension? 
This person is angry. They may have been dealing with something serious at school, and now they're looking for an outlet for that emotion. Good dialogue gives us tension and, at the same time, allows the audience to interpret why the character is behaving in a certain way. Here's an exercise you can try to experiment with writing more tense dialogue. Imagine a scene where two characters both have something they desperately need to tell the other. Perhaps there's a rumor going around at school, or the queen of a country is planning to arrest someone later that afternoon, or an alien invasion is imminent. It doesn't matter what the secret is, just make sure both characters have one. Now, write a dialogue between them where they are not allowed to say that secret out loud. They can hint, use euphemisms, shake each other till their teeth rattle, anything but saying exactly what they want. Try it and see how much more interesting your dialogue gets. The next way I see writers overexplain is with plain old exposition. It's a nasty trap, especially if you're writing in a genre which requires readers to understand something new, like a society with magic or a colony on Mars. You might feel the need to just dump everything on the audience right at the front. Hello everyone, this is Mars, there's flying cars here, this is the governor's son, he's not a nice person. Alright, here we go! Don't do this! Not only does this mean you don't trust your reader, but it means you take away their experience of learning about all the amazing things you have in store for them in a natural, emotional way. Most of the time, exposition is not needed in a story. Don't waste your reader's time telling them something you can show to much greater impact. You might be asking, but Jordan, how will my readers understand what's going on? Let me direct you to a quote by the amazing poet Ellen Bass during a talk she gave when I was in my first semester of my MFA. She said, It is not your job to make the reader understand, only to experience. Sit with that for a minute, because that's going to be a paradigm shift for some people. A reader does not need to understand a book to enjoy it. While, yes, if there is too much confusion about what's going on, you might lose your reader, oftentimes readers like being in that stage of figuring the story out. I know I like hypothesizing about books when I'm reading them. When I turn out to be right, I pat myself on the back. And when I'm wrong, I'm usually so immersed in the ride that I don't feel too disappointed. The author Pete Fromm has the philosophy he calls keep up or get out. Even if you write genre fiction, it's not a bad philosophy to adopt. Trust that your readers will stick in it with you. More likely than not, they're only as confused as your point of view character. They see everything that character sees, no matter what. So as long as that character is moving, talking, and interacting with the world of your story, your readers don't need a lot explained to them. They're experiencing it instead. In short, preventing yourself from over-explaining means that you are allowing your readers to be more in the moment. And when it comes to writing, that is almost always a good thing. Here's an exercise you can use if you think you might be subjecting your reader to something I call exposition vomit, where you're over-explaining everything and it's killing the mood of the scene. Take a section of your work in progress you think could be stronger, one that isn't working or that you think doesn't achieve the emotions you want it to. Try to find something between a page to a page and a half, not too long. Now, as you reread this part to yourself, circle every to-be verb you find. Those are the words am, are, is, was, and were. How many did you find? My guess is more than a few. These verbs are dead giveaways that you're talking directly to your audience. You're telling them rather than showing them. 
We'll go through telling and showing in a later episode. There are definitely times to do both. But for now, rework your paragraph so that you get rid of half of those to be verbs. Don't do this just by deleting the sentences, but rather challenge yourself to change the sentence around so you're using a different verb. For example, if you have a sentence that says, the light from the sun was warm and bright, you might change that to, the tulips basked in the light of the sun. See how getting rid of the was changed the sentence from passive to active? That's a good way to avoid over-explaining to your audience. You'll have an easier feel for when you've given them enough information because you'll run out of verbs you can use to describe what the sunlight is doing or whatever else is going on in your description. Another place I see exposition kill a story is in action. Action by its nature should be short and snappy. It's a prose type that brings a high level of energy. There's a lot of movement and a lot going on for readers to hold in their heads. It's naturally fast-paced, and oftentimes it draws readers in because of that. You definitely do not want to be in the middle of an action scene and then start hearing an explanation of why the characters are there. That would completely kill your vibe. Could you imagine? Let's look at Callista and Caden again. Here's a scene from earlier in the story where Callista is taking Caden to the underground world where she makes money fighting in illegal bouts. As Callista ducked through the low overhang, the sound of the crowd slammed into her chest. She smiled, reaching a gloved hand to slide the hood from her head and let the screaming, the jeers, the manic laugh of tournament hoppers high enough on soot to float to the ceiling fill her head. She turned over her shoulder, finding Caden's wide-eyed expression, and winked. A standard action paragraph, right? No one is fighting or racing against the clock, but things are happening here. Notice there's not a single to-be verb in that entire bit. Now, let me throw in an exposition sentence to the same paragraph and watch how it changes the way that we hear it. As Callista ducked through the low overhang, the sound of the crowd slammed into her chest. This was home, the place she missed every time she had to leave it. With a smile, she reached a gloved hand to slide the hood from her head and let the screaming, the jeers, the manic laugh of tournament hoppers high enough on soot to float to the ceiling fill her head. She turned over her shoulder, finding Caden's wide-eyed expression, and winked. Did you hear that? I only added one sentence of exposition, and it changed the pace of the paragraph completely. Did you hear how it fell flat right in the middle, right when I told you information you didn't need or want to know? You didn't need me to tell you Callista loves this environment. Her actions and attitude show that already. By including that sentence, I've wasted your time. And as we know, that's one thing you never want to do to your readers. The last place I see too many writers wax poetic unnecessarily is in description. Beginning writers especially seem to think that readers won't get the picture unless they have described the entire scene in excruciating detail piece by minute piece the sun and the way it streams through the leaves of the trees, the smell of wet leaf litter hanging heavy in the air, the lazy float of insects drifting through the summer day. See how you were able to get a pretty good handle on an image from three sentences? I didn't need to give you any more than that. In fact, if I had and I'd kept going on and on about the forest, you'd probably start to get bored. I've noticed when I'm reading for the literary magazine I work for that I have about two paragraphs of solid description before I start to skim the story. Three paragraphs of the description is out of this world beautiful. 
After that, I start expecting the reader to do something different. One way I've experienced writers elevate their description is by having it do multiple things at once. Perhaps a character is viewing a peaceful, serene morning on the river and feels anger at the memory of their farm burning down in this exact spot. That would be interesting. That juxtaposition gives the reader something to pick apart while still giving them an image of the scene. If you view description not only as putting an image into the reader's head, but also as a vessel to move plot elements forward, your prose will become much stronger. Let me give you an example. Which passage sounds stronger to you? Passage 1. The dawn streamed pale and cold through the bay window. Jenna sat, curled up in a blanket at the breakfast nook, and let her eyes wander over the dark green of the trees beyond the road. Got that? Hold it in your head as you listen to passage two. The dawn streamed pale and cold through the bay window, empty now since Jane no longer waited there. Jenna sat, curled up in a blanket at the breakfast nook, and hated the sight of the green trees beyond the road that had swallowed her sister like the weak winter sun. See how the second passage is doing much more than just giving description? We're getting images, yes, but images filtered through our point of view character's eyes, in this case, Jenna. This is only one way to avoid static description, but there are many more. Could your description be foreshadowing something that will happen later on? Could you land on an image symbolic of inner turmoil going on in a character? Or maybe you could have the same image described two different ways to show a character in different emotional states at different times. All of these are wonderful ways to make sure that your description is doing something more than just describing, which will help you avoid over-explaining. Try this exercise. Choose a character from a piece you're working on. Now imagine a scene that character is in. Write a description of that scene from their point of view. You're aiming for anywhere from four to eight sentences of description, as seen through this character's lens. Their feelings, their memories, their ideas, all of that. Once that's done, choose a different character and write the same description from this different point of view. How does it change? Are some things that are viewed positively at first suddenly cast in a negative light? Do different memories resurface when the lens shifts this way? While it's easy to kill a scene by revealing too much, the great thing about writing is that nothing is ever truly dead. Editing is as much a part of the process as first getting words to paper, and in some ways it's the part I like better. Even a scene that exists entirely of exposition can be revived, perhaps by using one of the techniques we've discussed here today. I'll leave you with a few points to sum up, and then we can go. Remember that you want to give your readers room to invest themselves in the story. They need cracks in the prose that will allow them to come up with their own theories, and this can only happen if you keep explanations to a minimum. Over-explaining slows the pace of your writing to a crawl and makes it difficult to get through. In Ellen Bass's wonderful words, it is not your job to make the reader understand, only to experience. And lastly, trust that writing is a process. As I mentioned before, the first draft is to make it exist, the second draft is to make it legible, and the third draft is to make it beautiful. I hope this talk was helpful to you, and remember, you're always welcome to go back, give it another listen, pause, rewind, and otherwise engage with this talk in the way that makes the most sense for you and your work at the moment. 
If you have any questions, ideas for topics, or you want to give us a funny anecdote, send us an email at rightturn at gmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-3, the number three, T-U-R-N at gmail.com. Or you can click the link in the description of this episode. I'm hoping that by our later podcast episodes, we can look at some of the stories you guys have written. If you have a piece that you're working on and you would like me to go through it, giving constructive feedback and pointing out all the amazing ways you guys put words on paper, send a piece of writing no more than 1,500 words to rightturn at gmail.com or click the link in the description. I hope you all have a lovely day. And if it's not a good one, I hope that the next one is better. See you all next time. Thank you.